All right, everyone. Welcome to another awesome episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. It is I, your host, Pizza Mind, and today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Bryce Paul is off on his honeymoon. Uh, he didn't invite me to go, so I'm kind of stuck over here by myself in Dallas, and uh, things are getting pretty crazy over here. And to be honest, I need a little therapy session today. So I've invited on a couple of other people who work over here with us to join me, and uh, we're just going to riff on some things that are pissing us off today. Um, it's going to be a good little session just to kind of release the tension here. So joining me today is our market analyst, Brendan Veeman and super producer TiVo. Both you guys, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast front stage. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we're here to rant about this bear market. Classic bear market behavior. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. how, are you, how are you guys holding up? Well, I'm good because I mean, I think our first topic will jump into the Pepe coin mania, but like that, that creates absolute chaos on social media, which as your producer, I love because it creates for fantastic content on our Twitter, which you should totally follow us at crypto 101. But I mean, the memes, a meme coin going crazy just is, is just a beauty of a, of a meme craze on the internet. And I love it. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi video lock, a smart lock a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one. With the three-in-one, you don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Yeah, I mean, you normally don't see this behavior in a bear market, right? I mean, we're not that far from from price bottoms, but this is typically the behavior that we see when we're on when we're in a full fledged bull market. Everything's sky high. People have money to waste, and then that's typically where we get these crazy meme runs and rallies from. It's because people all of a sudden have so much money that they don't know what to do with it. And they start throwing it at things called Chiba Inu and Dogecoin and Pepe and Santa Coin and all the other ones that have ever existed out there. Uh, and this was one that managed to do it in a bear market and go all the way up to a $1.87 billion, with a B in market cap. Now, since then, it's fallen 62% in, I mean, what, like a week or two? And, you know, a lot of people took the heat there. What you had was people that got in early, really shilling it, really pushing it, 
and telling everyone that they know to get in as well and that this thing was going to a five, a $10 billion market cap and it never got there. It was a great run, but I mean, if it's down 62%, there's a lot of people that are underwater. We've seen these people, uh, if you want to loosely use that word, come out of nowhere that were part of other shitcoin communities and now have added 20,000 followers in the matter of a week just by using these Pepe hashtags and stuff to launch their own coins, either after their first name or something else that's dumb or following some other trendy meme like Grumpy Cat. Um, And it is just an absolute free-for-all for losing money, as if anyone had any money left over right now. If you did, now's the time to be accumulating long-term good positions. And instead, they're running it through this scam casino where you have an even better chance of 99% of losing everything. Like literally none of these things, including Pepe, are going to be around a year from now. And we've seen other things like this come and go constantly. This is not the first Pepe coin. This is like the 50th. So chances are, if you're going on Uniswap right now, you might not even be buying the right Pepe coin. And so you have to make sure you're trying to paste the current contract that people are all trading on. So not only is this super dangerous and super foolish, but you have other people that are you know, quote unquote, professional influencers or people that uh, others normally look to in the space for advice, just giving terrible advice because they're fucking broke and they're desperate to try and make money any way they can right now. So Um, so I actually, I'd love to build on that point pizza because um, from, from my perspective of where I came from before I started working with you guys is I come from that influencer space, you know, like, people that have huge followings and trade entertainment for clicks and all that. And when I came to this space and met you guys and then was evaluating the crypto space, I saw a little bit of everything. You had your influencers, you had people trying to educate all that stuff. And I, I, I just, just build on your point. You said it so perfectly is like, I see, I'm seeing a little bit of desperation out there from some people that may not be getting the eyeballs that they're used to in a bull market. And also, you know, just like, okay, how am I going to make the income that I'm used to? Because if my investments aren't skyrocketing and there's not as many eyeballs on the space in a bear market, I'm starting to see people um, that I've had my eye on kind of just like jump around a little bit and see, just seem like a little more chaotic than usual. Yeah. And we saw the final. Finally, we've seen the launch of Pulse Chain by Richard Hart, the creator of Hex. Uh, this is his second project that everyone who fell for his first scam has uh, fallen for this too. But it seems like he's getting scared out of the space. Finally, he's removed all kinds of things from his Twitter bio that would link him to this stuff. And finally, Pulse Chain has been launched incompletely without the working Ethereum bridge. And Hex and the Pulse tokens are taking an absolute nosedive in price. I think they're down like more than 70% since launch right now. And finally, we're going to see this multi-year-long scam finally collapse in on itself. And everyone has tried to warn the Hexicans, as they call themselves, (laughs) uh, about this. And their belligerent attitude is now finally going to blow up in their face. Um, And I'm really... I'm at like a moral dilemma right now. Like one of my heroes, Bill Hicks, always talked about viewing the world through eyes of compassion versus condemnation. But I'm literally just trying so hard not to say, fuck these people. You got what you deserve and feel sorry for them because many of them invested their life savings and are going to end up homeless because of Richard Hart. Yeah, I mean, they were 
blatantly lied to. And not only that, it's it's one thing to have passion about specific projects. We see that with a lot of communities. I mean, you look at XRP, you look at a lot of these meme coins, they have a strong passion to say it lightly about what they're investing in. I think the, the problem here is that when you look at Richard Hart and a lot of these big influencers that were associated with with Hex or Pulse is that they only they not only were so vibrant and excited about Hex, but they also discouraged people from investing into what I would call real proven projects. They would basically say, why would you ever invest in Ethereum? Why would you ever invest in Bitcoin? Those things are never going to hit their all-time high again. Their tops are in. Their time is done. You know, don't invest in this, this garbage old technology. When in reality, you know, they have the the garbage technology. So that's where I draw the line. I think it's one thing if you want to be a fanatic about your community, all the power to you. You know, have your passion, even if I believe it's wrong. The problem I have is when they are like blatantly giving bad advice about what I would believe to be very good and safe investments. Again, you look at Bitcoin, you look yeah. at Ethereum, they have their proven track record. They have applications, especially Ethereum, that are built on top of it. It has a proven model that works. And to say that it doesn't is just going against the facts. So that's where I draw the line. When you are telling people and blatantly lying to them to scare them out of real options and things that have real growth potential, that's, that's where I, I draw the line. That, yeah, and I believe many of these people that are in just got in because their friend told them. Yeah. And they don't know anything about anything. May, may, may not even know about Ethereum or what it means for Pulse Chain to be Ethereum compatible. They have no idea why that's valuable. Uh, they're going to get a hard lesson now, which is too bad. They could have been accumulating things like Cosmos uh, and Quant yeah. or and other I, good projects. I think it's a testament to this team from my perspective because I, I would call myself like a resident degen, not even just a crypto degen. I'm on Robinhood slinging some options. I like to go gamble at the casino. And this was my uh, Pepe coin was... The first one from, I don't want to call it from inception because I know it's been around and bumbling, but it felt like it was the first huge meme coin rise since I've been with you guys. Yeah. And like, because I always thought like, oh, Dogecoin, like, yeah, I made a couple hundred bucks on Doge, flipped it, you know, lost some here, won some there. But I was like, man, what if you got in, you know, underneath a penny type of thing? And um, and so it, it was happening like we're, hey, guys, you see this Pepe coin looking crazy. Oh, it's going crazy. And we're in our in our team. And I'm just like, I'm getting ready for somebody to be like, yeah, buy in. Let's buy in. And, I, and nobody we our team was calm, cool, collective. Um, and, and it didn't really peak as as a whole team or from, you know, the newsletter perspective, like it never caught our eye as something that we were buying into. And so I kept calm and just, you know, I bought some more Bitcoin, Ethereum, just DCAing like I've been doing over the last six months since I've been here instead of jumping into the, uh, the DGen meme craze. And I will, I basically would have got in probably about like a week or 10 days ago. It was like when I was like, man, like how can I say I work on a crypto podcast and not be on this next big meme coin? It was like basically what I told myself, but I talked myself out of it because you guys weren't focused on it. I've made more money this year shorting meme coins in the past two weeks than I have even trading in the positive direction. <laughs> The, the scary thing here is that people saw what happened to Pepe and they heard these these. I was going to say one percent of people who made a million dollars out of nothing, but it's so much less than one percent of the people that actually made those gains. But there's these stories that people have heard where they put in 100 bucks and they came out with 10 million or something like that. Uh, and what you have to understand is that these things are less than a dime a dozen. 
uh, we had Dogecoin. It blew up, came into existence in 2013. Seven years later, we got the next major meme coin that blew up, Shiba Inu. Now we're three years later, and we got Pepe coin, and it blew up over uh, a billion, almost $2 billion in market cap. So we have three meme coins in a matter of 10 years now, which means that on average, about every three and a half to four years, there's one successful one, which means that the thousands and thousands of meme coins in between those periods were pretty much all failures. I mean, how many meme coins can someone name outside of, of those three major ones that are still around and have a big market cap, a big following. Uh, and the answer is maybe one at most, right? The average person is not going to be able to name any of these other ones. So for people that are looking at this scenario and saying, I want to catch the next Pepe coin, I want to catch the next Doge coin, you have, again, there's one every three to four years, and there's thousands that are created in that time frame. Even if you do put in a hundred bucks into every one, the odds are you'll go broke before you make it. Uh, there's just too many out there in existence. There's too many rug pulls, and you have no way of knowing which one is going to be the next thing before it happens. Yeah, very well said. And there's, if you go to um, dextools.io, you can see new coins that are being made. And there's like a new coin being made on Ethereum almost every hour right now. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's really ridiculous. I mean, you can try and be some of the first money in, but you can see how much liquidity is actually there. And there's like nothing. It's just these random guys that are burning a couple ETH and gas fees. Um it's really a shot in the dark. Well, so. And even for your average consumer, like the average consumer, like myself, isn't getting in before. We're seeing what's happening and then we jump in and get caught on that 60% drawdown, like Brendan said earlier. And so I think, you know, if you're in, looking to invest and learn about the space, this is a great spot. Um, and, and everybody that we've brought on, our guests, like nobody we've brought on the podcast in the last three weeks has has been like, hey, let's talk about Pepe coin. They all just go, yeah, that's crazy. I wish that would end. So it's like we're it's just an interesting uh, community that I that I'm in with you guys because I'm used yeah. to the internet Twitter DGen community that I get wrapped up in. Well, let's talk about the term DGen, for example. Like it's changed meanings over just a couple of years it's been around. To be a DGen when it first came out, it meant the crazy smart developers that could code flash loan bots and MEV extraction bots and do all this crazy stuff to essentially print money. Like there's an MEV bot on Ethereum right now under the address jaredfromsubway.eth. And you can watch his wallet just grow exponentially every day on Etherscan because he's running some kind of sandwich attack on just about every trade he can get a piece of on Uniswap. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Basically, what that means is... He's got a bot that is reading incoming transactions in Uniswap in the Ethereum mempool. He's then doing the exact same transaction 
at a higher gas fee. So his transaction is processed first, and then he's selling that coin back to the first person who's buying it at a tiny little premium because Uniswap allows for a certain percentage of slippage. So he's making a tenth of a percent to one or 2% each trade he's able to get a piece of. And he's just running this through thousands or even millions of times a day and just growing his money. That's what DGEN really is, is these crazy financial ninjas that are able to do shit like that. DGEN doesn't mean just buying literally anything and losing your money. That's stupidity. I think the term for DGEN really started to change after we had the GameStop scenario pizza. I think we had the whole GameStop incident. We had yeah. Wall Street bets go absolutely viral. And then the term DGEN was translated into what we're seeing more of today. Yeah. Yeah. DGEN for me goes back to college where we had like a $500 allowance from you know the football team. Like you get a couple bucks a week. And it's supposed to go towards your food and housing, but we would just all go to the casino, buy beers, and lose it all in blackjack in about an hour. And then you tell your parents, and just be like, "Yeah, you're, you're just acting like a degenerate." But <laughs> <laughs> that's where mine came from. But that was fascinating, pizza. So I saw, I saw um, on the internet. You know, I'm always scrolling. I saw some story of like somebody was like, "I sent a million dollars to Jared from Subway on, <laughs> and I'm I can't get it back." You think that's the that's the Jared from Subway? He's like he accidentally sent it, and I, I'm thinking I'm like, isn't Jared from Subway actually in jail? And then you're telling me there's like some famous yeah. Ethereum Jared from Subway. So I'm guessing that's yeah, who I, I think the real one's in jail, but who knows? He might be working for the federal government now. The way uh, <laughs> they feel about these policies these days. So, but yeah, there is a Subway wallet that is just cleaning up wow. with that name right now. I got to dive into that. That's an interesting story. Yeah. But um, if we wanted to go to the next topic, so uh, we talked about it right before the show, literally trending today. It's um, Tuesday, but uh, Ledger Wallet released a new announcement. Um, I'm not super technical, so I don't want to dive into it, but it's trending on Twitter and a lot of people are upset. Yeah. So basically what's happening here is there's a new firmware update that allows you to opt into this new recovery service where they would shard and encrypt your private keys and then store them on centralized custodians. So if you ever lose your wallet, uh, you can then recover it just by showing your ID and then claiming it. Well, this is an enormous problem because Ledger has already had several data breaches where customer identity and, and other information has been used by hackers to then try and fish for the private keys of users. And now we're supposed to trust them with the actual private keys. Uh, doesn't sound very good. But even if you don't opt into this recovery service, the fact that this new firmware update that I'm not 100% sure if you're being forced to use or not, um, is still going to have this code in here, which means it can be exploited, which means now there's a link between what was supposed to be an air gap device and some centralized server. Uh, and everyone is freaking out about it. Personally, I don't trust Ledger. I don't own one. And um, I think the user interface on them is terrible, although Ledger Live was a huge improvement when they put that out a couple years ago. But look, I mean, these guys are a French company. We're lucky they show up to work at all. They seem to have other things in mind these days that may be distracting them. So... Um, 
It, depending on how you want to look at it, you can give them a break or you can go explore one of the other options for crypto wallets like Trezor or Arculus. Um, I think after talking with their team and seeing that they've actually been around for like 20 years in the security space and Arculus has been around for a few now, I think it's okay to add them to the list of uh, safe cold wallets. But yeah, Ledger, way to drop the ball, buddies. Good job. What I don't understand is why all these companies recently just don't understand their audience and their user base. We've seen it happen with traditional centralized companies recently. We're seeing it happen in crypto, where their entire spiel, their whole use case for their product is having a safer decentralized option for crypto users to come to and know that they're not going to have a custodianship through, you know, something like Coinbase or an exchange or anything like that, any kind of service or platform. And what they're doing is they are be essentially becoming that by storing the seed phrase on a in a centralized way, even if it is sharded, by storing it in a centralized way, they become little to almost no different from the centralized sources that they're trying to stand apart from. So that kind of begs the question, why would you go through all the rigmarole? Like we think of Coinbase, like Coinbase has great security, like they do, but it's still centralized security for your steed phrases. And there are still centralized, like your information is stored in a centralized manner. That's why exchanges are often attacked. So why would someone go through all the extra trouble to get one of these cold wallets, to get one of these hard wallets and then all of a sudden just put their information in a centralized way. It just doesn't make any sense. They, they're they appealing to the wrong audience here. Their people are coming to them for decentralized and extra security measures. And now all of a sudden, they're offering an alternative to that. And people who don't know any better could be the ones to show up here and say, oh, that sounds great. That sounds useful. Maybe I will, maybe I'll lose my seed phrase one day. Maybe I'll forget it. Whatever happens. And you have people who, who don't know any better just say, oh, that's a cool feature. Let me try that out. And then God forbid something does happen. Then they're the ones who innocently like just lose their money. And they were the ones that were told that a device like a ledger could never, ever be hacked or stolen. And now all of a sudden, you know, God forbid it does happen. You know, those are the people who are never going to come back to the space because they felt like they were betrayed. So, you know, in a worst case scenario here, I only see this causing more problems and doing more harm than it does good. And for what? For them to be a little bit more profitable, for them to appeal to, you know, people who don't know any better. It's probably not malicious, but I think they're just doing it strictly as a way to increase business and revenue in a time where it's maybe a little bit harder. But again, just know your audience here. I think they're basically selling out their audience like so many beer companies are right now. They're deciding to appeal to the next 100 million customers and throw out their current 100 million because they've already bought their products. So why not start appealing to the next wave of inflowing people into the space that don't already own a ledger? Uh, and now maybe this offering seems a little more safe than writing down the secret thing and having to actually take control and responsibility for all their money. Or some people are just not ready for that. So I'm sure there's somebody in their marketing department that gave that speech to the executive board and to the product department. And they all said, yeah, it sounds like we're going to make a lot of money that way. Uh, but for people that are crypto native, they've just been stabbed in the back. Yeah. 
Is there ever a scenario, I think this would be a long time down the road, but the, the, from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective, pizza nailed it. It's like, oh, well, we have our community of people that use our wallet. Like, how do we get more people to adopt this? They're scared of losing everything. So we got to come up with some type of recovery phrase idea, right? Is there ever a world in, in the future where these companies are offering their wallets and offering, you know, seed recovery stuff, but also offer some type of insurance, like some big reinsurer partners with a crypto wallet Actually, and start offering yes. that. And that's happening today already. So Coinbase rolled out their wallet as a service uh, a few months ago. So they're going to be the back end for some of these next generation applications that want to have uh, Web3 features in there. And then there's a company called MediKeep that is doing a similar thing, but they already have an insurance provider. I think it's Lloyd's of London or something. Mm. So they're also sharding uh, encrypted keys over several centralized servers using something called fully homomorphic encryption. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about that. I'm not a cryptographer, but I've talked to several since I heard about this thing. I said, what do you think about this idea? Storing seed phrases in a cloud goes against literally everything we've ever been taught. Uh, and as I've explained the way it works, they say, yeah, it sounds like it's okay. Um, there hasn't been any breaches of homomorphic encryptions in the 10 years or so that it's been uh, out in the wild. So while I still don't feel completely safe about it, you're right, TiVo. There are some products that are coming out now, and they're able to convince uh, some of the biggest insurance companies in the world to take a bet on it. Yeah, I mean, so, Lloyd's of London is one of the famous ones. Like they uh, insured like uh, what David Beckham's leg, and yeah, uh, they'll do all the, the wild ones. So they definitely would be the right people. Yeah, the thing is though, um, if MediKeep is cut in custody of ten billion dollars of millions of users' crypto, and their insurance policy is only for one billion, and something really, really bad does happen, yeah, is that insurance policy going to be enough? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if you're Lloyds of London, you're looking through every last little line of things to say, oh, something was in violation, therefore we're not paying out Yeah, as yeah. well. So uh, I think insurance is kind of a a false sense of security, but the insurance industry online was something that was toyed around with the past couple of years with Nexus Mutual and Cover Protocol and things like that where you can have insurance from a smart contract that isn't going to have a human on the other side try and screw you when you come to make your claim. So there's more and more things that are going to happen on that front as well that I think will eventually circle back around. Because um, it is something that is necessary in this space, given how one little character being in the wrong place with the wrong code version can cause $100 million to be lost, like in the case of Wormhole. Yeah, well... We plug on. I'm glad I have good ideas. If anybody wants to hire me as like a product development, um, you can tell I have great ideas for the space. <laughs> we may need to give you a promotion, but you're so good at what you already do here. <laughs> My man. Well, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about something fun. I got uh, on the rundown here. I got the Bitcoin seems to be in a range. So I, I put out the newsletters for our uh, Crypt Nation family. Um, so I read them and I've definitely seen a couple talks about how we're range bound. Um, you know, you guys are our experts. So what, what do you, what are you seeing kind of going to the summer stock market wise, which I know is not us usually says, uh, what sell in May and go away. So heading into the summer range bound, what do you guys see? Yeah. I mean the first half of this year, 
great rally. We look at pretty much any crypto. You look at Bitcoin, you look at Ethereum, a lot of the mainstream altcoins. Great rally for the first couple of months. Now we're in the most recent couple of months. You know, we're about halfway through the year almost. The, the back three months have just been a lot of chopping consolidation. We had Bitcoin go all the way from around 15,000, went all the way to 25,000 in the first half of the year. Then ever since that point, we've been really stuck between, you know, 26 to 30,000. It's just been a sideways range. Yeah, we've gone up a little bit. We've gone down a little bit. But for the most part, we've just been hovering around 26 to, to 30, $31,000. And that's where we're at now. Now, it doesn't mean that big things haven't happened uh, obviously, we look at a lot of independent altcoin projects that have had their own runs. Even while Bitcoin and Ethereum and a lot of the major altcoins do consolidate right now, uh, there are independent altcoins that are moving. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is that we are seeing more independency from the altcoin market. Some are following the new lows. Some are consolidating with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Other ones are ripping to new all-time highs. Uh, and that's been one of the, the cool features for me to see is that we didn't always get that in previous cycles. Uh, I think there was always a bit more of a correlation. And while things did kind of differentiate every now and then, we're just seeing a lot of independency between a lot of these projects. So, you know, yeah, you know, we are seeing consolidation and we're kind of range bound for the moment, but you know, I'm hoping that we can't see a rally. Yeah. One thing we've talked about on our coaching calls recently is how little liquidity there is on a lot of major pairs right now, which tells us that market makers are kind of out of the picture at the moment. Uh, they're accumulating their own supply and minimizing their own risk. And when that happens, there's a lot less stability in markets. And with even fewer pairs and fewer support, uh, actual people can come in and move price. And a community that's very excited about something can move their coin a few hundred spots in just a couple of days. So it's cool to see that there is life in the industry, despite all the bad that's happened last year, despite all the chaos going on in the world this year, it seems like there's still a ton of interest in crypto, even a consensus, even, even though it wasn't exactly um, the biggest event, that consensus has ever had, there were still 15,000 people there. And it may not have been the biggest event because there was a record 67 side events going on simultaneously instead of before and after the main event, like it usually happens this year. So there's still a ton of interest in this space. Anyone who's gotten shaken out um, is probably coming back in after they saw a good recovery this year and, you know, for better or for worse, things like Pepe and Shiba Inu get people talking. Just about every Uber driver I know, when they ask what I do for work and I tell them I'm in crypto, they ask me what I think about Shiba Inu. <laughs> and I'm like, how the fuck did they hear about this shit? And I just hope and pray to, you know, any God, Christian, Shinto, anything, you know, Take one of these rabid communities and put them behind something that has like real value to change the world, like AMP or Cosmos or Huma Finance or like literally anything other than this garbage. Like I, I really, really hope that uh, some of the good things in crypto get some of even a tenth of the momentum behind them is something dumb like Doji on Mars. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the 
the the big projects that have just been overlooked recently, like Bitcoin hash rate and activity hitting all time highs. You look at Ethereum deposits, even after its Shanghai update, it just hit a new all time high. And that's after withdrawals are enabled. That was a big fear is that people would mass withdraw their money as soon as they had the ability to do it. And that's not what we're seeing. We're still seeing deposits, you know, at least as of recently, deposits outnumbering withdrawals. And so we have Bitcoin activity that's high, Ethereum activity, which is very clearly high because of all the Pepe stuff, but also Ethereum uh, deposits, you know, people who are depositing and staking and saying that, that they are here for the long term of Ethereum also happening. So we're seeing longevity. We're seeing people that are confident creating activity and saying that they're going to stick around for a while on a lot of the major caps. And I find that reassuring. But it's not being talked about enough. You know, it, you, you go and you look at the news. How many times are people talking about the on-chain metrics and how positive they are for these major cryptocurrencies? Uh, instead, people would like to read about things like Pepe Coin or like a lot of the other kind of BS news that we see instead of looking at like the core fundamentals of the big crypto projects and how they are improving every single day, every single week, every month. And, you know, I mean, if you were to ask people about what the future roadmap for Ethereum looks like, arguably the most built on the most active blockchain that there is out there, people probably couldn't name one step of the six step uh, program that Vitalik had talked about. Uh, and yet they can probably list off their favorite meme coin, like Pete's was saying. So it's just a shame. I think per people's direction is being pushed into the wrong direction. And imagine if all the time that people had to put into meme coins or anything that's related like that, if they would direct that same amount of time towards something that is fundamentally useful to increase and push the whole space forward, you know, there'd be a black and white, just day and night difference. I may be overthinking this, but this, what we've been talking about, maybe a symptom of a much larger problem. And that's in a sick, dying society, people are now scrambling and not thinking of the health of their community or the environment they're living in. But they're just saying, OK, screw it. I'm on my own now. I'm going to take whatever I can and look after myself. We're seeing this in the looting situations in California. We're seeing this in the financial approach to people's future here in crypto. And we're seeing this, you know, in politics as well, where there's several politicians that are trying to make a statement and a career uh, off of doing what makes them popular or gets them attention rather than what's good for the country. Uh, Gary Gensler being the primary example of that. Yeah. So actually to build on that, my mystery topic that I told you I was going to throw at you guys is uh, is political. We don't want to get too political, but it's all over the News cycle, it's all over Twitter, is the debt crisis, the looming debt crisis. So Janet Yellen's out every other day now saying, you know, this June 1st date, throwing dates out there, the debt crisis, um, the president's meeting with, you know, the Senate and Congress this week to try to figure out what they're going to do. Not specifically talking about the debt crisis as as just face value, but how, how do you see that either way? I mean, if it gets lifted and raised, I guess things maybe go on as normal. But if something kind of bad happens, you know, I think well, it always gets, gets up lifted and raised like right. every two years. And everything that's going on right now is just a song and dance on uh, a game of hot potato. So one party's left holding the bag, being the bad guys for voting for this. Uh, and the other one gets to say, oh, in the future, oh, look what they did. 
but everyone knows this is going to happen. There's been zero financial responsibility in this country for 20 years. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to happen, and it keeps happening. And, you know, Yellen herself said to, uh, I think, like a finance hearing a few weeks ago, yeah, we plan on inflating the debt away so we can keep spending. <laughs> so you've got the, the Secretary of the Treasury in favor of inflation, completely opposite what the Federal Reserve is attempting to do. How is a country supposed to function like that? If you look at all the things that happened in history for the fall of the Iron Curtain and the Soviet Republic to completely collapse, it's all happening here in the U.S. today. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about this the other day. I think that this just continually makes the argument for crypto increasingly stronger. You look at the inflation rates. If if nothing else, just look at the inflation rates. For, you know, for a lot of these fiats, including the dollar right now, you know, arguably around 6%. You even look at precious metals. Those are around 2 to 3% from new metals being mined and coming out, you know, whether they're made in a lab or not. Inflation rate for metals is around 2 to 3%. You look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, they're lower than all of those options. And so if nothing else, then crypto will intrinsically gain value as time goes on if it's compared to gold, silver, and a lot of the fiats, whether it's the U.S. dollar or something else, you know, if it does nothing else, if it just holds its value, it will increase in value just because they are inflating at a two, three, four times faster rate than a lot of these cryptos are. And then there's arguments to be made with a lot of these updates that we saw with Ethereum 2.0 and some of the, the recent EIP upgrades to Ethereum that one could even argue that it is going from inflationary to deflationary. Uh, because of different burning mechanisms and how hard it is to create a, this, uh, a lot of Ethereum. Uh, and then you look at Bitcoin after this next halving, getting even harder to mine. So what, we, what we're going to have is, again, crypto become exceedingly more rare. Well, you know, who knows what will happen with the inflation rates of all these other assets? So I think it makes a strong argument that, you know, whether you love, hate or love crypto, maybe you hate it, maybe you're just in between on it. I think this kind of brings to light the whole conversation of what does your portfolio look like and how are you uh, diversifying your portfolio so that you can be properly prepared for whatever situation comes your way? Because there's a lot of people who think that they are diversified because they hold maybe uh, a savings account and they hold cash and they hold stocks and bonds and they think, okay, I'm properly diversified. Uh, when in reality, you're maybe properly diversified only in pretty much U.S. equity. Uh, and so you have to look to diversify yourself properly beyond just holding U.S.-related assets. And I think that's where crypto comes in, right? When you think of Bitcoin, you don't think of the United States. When you think of Ethereum, you don't necessarily think of the United States. We have decentralized assets here. And you know, I think that it's just something that everyone, even if it's just 1% of your portfolio, your holdings, I think everyone should hold just a little bit because, you know, again, God forbid there is some worst case scenario out there, something crazy happens, then if the US dollar tanks or if any of these other things that crypto is compared to drastically tank, then that will make, again, inversely, the price of crypto go exceedingly higher. And then you have something to head against, you know, a lot of worst case scenarios. So. Anyway, I'll yield there. Well said. And you can't buy Kiwi futures in the U.S. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, that was uh, that was beautifully said. I might clip that for you and put some like patriotic, inspirational music or something. <laughs> get a, get a waving good... flag in the background. Yeah, get I get a bald eagle flying across my green screen. I'll do. You know what? I'm going to do that for you. Perched on your shoulder. We're going <laughs> to do that for you. And to to do that, you have to follow us on Twitter though at Crypto One Hundred One Podcast and the Crypto Analyst. We'll do a little joint tweet there. But um, that, that's all I got. Uh, pizza, if you want to jump in and, and close us out. This was a, a fun episode. Thanks for having us. I really appreciate you guys hanging out today. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and fun is what we need right now. And I think that's why a lot of these memes are also flying off. Because they're fun. Um, all these Pepe memes make everyone laugh and smile. And who doesn't want to be around things and people that make them laugh and smile? Just be careful. There's people out there like Ben... Uh, who are launching coins left and right and booking trips now, I guess, to Qatar, which doesn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S., uh, so we can run off with uh, $6 million in ETH that he's raised between Bencoin and PSYOP now. So be careful with this stuff. Um, once the uh, DJ music gets unplugged at some of these parties, the fun will be over and be pretty painful. So... Uh, as we always like to quote uh, Munib Ali over here. Um, no, that's the wrong guy. It was Haseeb Awan who said it. Uh, as, long, as long as you protect your downside, you'll always have upside. This industry is still so new and so volatile. Make some smart decisions. Uh, you can still change your life. But with that, we will leave you for now. And we'll be back later on very soon with another episode here of the Crypto 101 Podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.